You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! I know Kung Fu. Show me. I want you to do me a favor. Yeah, sure. I want you to hit me as hard as you can. What? I want you to hit me as hard as you can. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Welcome to the John Weldon Show. Welcome back, everybody. Jonathan Welton here again with another special guest. And I am so excited to introduce my friend to you. I have been uh, thinking about where we can go. There's so many different topics we can cover. Um, I was thinking back, and one of the things that has so struck me about my friend that I'm going to tell you about is the fact that she has gone through some rough relationships over the years. She's experienced bad, abusive leaders and things like that, but she's always been able to maintain a soft heart. Uh, she's found her way back to trusting again, but not from a naive place, but from a place of wisdom and, and sharpness. And uh, I just appreciate the leadership gifts that she carries. And so I am honored to introduce to you my friend Kelly. And I don't know how to pronounce your married last name. How do you, how do you say that? Otutu Daniel. And that's Nigerian, right? Yes. Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> Otutu Daniel, is that right? Yeah, Otutu Daniel. So it was originally just Otutu, but then my husband decided to double bow his name with his middle name, which is also his dad's name, i.e. Daniel, um, because he wanted to carry that on uh, as a, a legacy for his dad, really. So oh. we just have a long name now. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. And and uh, people are probably hearing the accent. So Kelly, give us a little background for people who've never heard of you. What what? Where do you live? Tell me a little bit about your life currently. So I'm based in the UK. Um, I grew up in a city called Bristol. Um, people still hear it, even though I'm now based in, I actually live in Essex, although I lived in London for the last 10 years, but we managed to buy outside of London. And they have a completely different accent here. So they they definitely recognize like, oh, you're not you're not from around here, are you? No, I'm from the south of the UK. And yeah, so um, I'm kind of out here just I, I work full time. I do ministry as well. Um, married for well, coming up to actually four years in September. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. Wow. And so raised in, in Nigeria. So sometimes I say that I'm Nigerian, but I don't think you can tell that from the accent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't look like a typical Nigerian to me, <laughs> but I, under, I understand uh, the the world that you're in over there with uh, the UK and church world can be similar, but in a lot of ways can be very different sometimes. And so I'm, I'm really looking forward to hearing some different perspectives and some of your experience. Um, one of the things that stood out to me was uh, when Danny Silk's letter came out, uh, releasing me from the restoration process back in June of 2021, um, a few months later, you had reached out and you had shared your heart that you and your husband love me, believe in me, are cheering me on. Uh, you also shared some of your own hurts and frustrations that you had experienced in relating with me, which I thought was really brave. Uh, a lot of people haven't done that, but the few that have, I just so honor and respect that. And um, I just thought, wow, this is fantastic. You shared some of your, your experience of going through relationships yourself that had been with narcissists and emotionally abusive people and um, just how you had learned to recognize red flags and process all of that. But so the topic I want to cover today is more than just relationship, but, but even larger, thinking through the church and controlling leaders and controlling relationships. And here's some of Kelly's wisdom. So Kelly, where would you like to take us with that? Well, I guess I could start from when I was at church uh, from a young age. I actually joined the church from when I was 14. So my my nan's kind of influence, I always believed in God, but just never really went to the church until uh, a family thing happened. But I, 
I guess I didn't start to experience how it can be so controlling until I got into a relationship in my early 20s. Um, it was actually one of my ex-fiancés and he, um, we met in the gym, funnily enough. <laughs> I didn't, I, I thought he was a bit of a, an idiot when we first met, if I'm honest, but you know, he was a personality and someone who wasn't a Christian, um, but I was always very evangelistic. And so I didn't really go in with the intention of like, oh, could I date this guy? It was definitely more, that was really friendly. He's very sociable. He would talk to anybody. Um, and he was very open to see what the church was about, what the youth group that I was serving at at the time was about. And yeah, so he came along, got really involved, um, really, no, it, he was he was an easy personality because he he didn't need babysitting in terms of like, oh, this is my friend, you know, talk to them, or I didn't have to go to my friend and say, oh, could you make sure he's okay? He just blended in immediately when you got into a social group. And I, I, I like that about people because I haven't got to babysit you and so he got really involved joined the guys and their groups their days out come on Sundays come on Fridays for the youth group everything um mm. and I guess as we were building on our our friendship uh, a relationship then blossomed out of it and we started actually dating I at the time was on the worship team and um I don't even think he yeah, I guess I guess our friends knew um, that that we were dating. Um, he was doing like this nurture course and kind of getting prepared to to be baptized and everything. Things started to go a bit sour one day when a picture on his phone of myself was misconstrued. So mm. this picture was just a headshot of me um, laying in my own bed. Uh, with my eyes closed I've taken a selfie with my eyes closed because I was proving a point that I'm in bed it's still 10 o'clock I've got the day off you're at work and I sent it to him mm. nothing else of it but <laughs> my uh, friend of mine um, happened to see him scrolling through his phone and saw this and thought oh my gosh they're in bed together and she's staying at his flat and blah 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 and mm -hmm. so instead of approaching me as a friend of which we had for several years and saying like oh so like how is your relationship going how's it developing and all that kind of stuff and just even trying to like fish for stuff it just didn't happen or even ask him you know your friends with him you've seen the picture like oh can I see that again like, what what was Kelly doing there oh uh, that's easy to explain she had the day off she's just teasing me saying you're at work I'm still in bed ha ha but no so the next next I hear is we need a meeting. So I'm meeting my friend that has now become he's he wasn't I don't think a pastor at the time. I think he was assistant pastor and he was being trained to become the pastor of the church. Mm. So we have this meeting and I get sat down and um, basically told that actually I'm being removed from the worship team because I am not being a very good influence on the youth who might feel that it's okay to get with somebody who's a non-Christian. So I'm obviously explaining that it wasn't my intention that it happens like that, but he's come into the church. He's actually made a dedication commitment to God and he's being baptized. And what more do you want? <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah. It was a, a time limit that you had to be a Christian for six months, a year or whatever so so that was really hurtful um i obviously it was a form of punishment like you've done something did, wrong did they, did they even bring up the picture in that meeting or yeah oh they did okay okay yeah but yeah it did get brought up um i explained what that picture was about and it got completely washed over oh. and it was just like we don't care kind of thing um we just didn't think that you you were with this guy too early it was almost like your interaction you no know, started from when he was a non-christian it almost kind of bent that way and it was kind of like but if we're meant to be bringing people into the church anyway and again that wasn't my heart i wasn't i wasn't seeking non-christian guys to date because maybe there was none in the church that i was in because it was quite a small church it just happened that way um, I think what hurt me most was the fact that, again, you're meant to be my friends and you still didn't have that conversation with me, even from the beginning. 
who is yeah. this guy? Where is he from? Like, oh, are you interested? Do you know that he's interested in you? Where is it going to lead? How are you going to handle that situation? Nothing. It's like you wait to get to that point of, aha, they're dating now. Now lynch them. <laughs> it's kind of like, yeah. Oof. Okay, so there wasn't a conversation that could have been had before. There wasn't any guidance or any advice that you had to offer or any questions that maybe came to mind. No, it was just complete removal from the worship team. Um, I will I will review it in six months' time. Mm. And that's it. There was no support, there was no let's meet once a week just to see how you guys are getting on. And I think it was just the most dangerous thing that you could have done because anything that you're accusing me of, I could now go ahead and just do because you've angered me so much and you frustrated me and I didn't do that, but it was kind of like, actually people can retaliate and they can feel like, wow, if I wasn't doing anything and this is how I'm treated, then I might as well have just done it. Mm. You've just gone ahead and just done, broke all the rules. And then at least that would have given you a reason to, to fire me from, from the team. Um, yeah, and, and what kind of message does that send to your boyfriend too, as far as how the church acts and treats people? Like, wow, that's, yeah, yeah. That, that's a rough lesson to get before you've even been baptized. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> thankfully he he did stick with it and he did go along with the group and maybe that was a part of me as well. I didn't want to cause any other necessary issues. Um, I think I was processing a lot as well at that time. And I had already developed the skill to not lash out of emotion. Mm. I think I just saw so many friends do that. I saw them just kind of like fly off the handle when their emotions got so high and then silly things could be said. And I, I guess on the outside watching this happen could see that you're making yourself look foolish because mm. your emotions are high and now you're just saying anything and now name calling and all the silly things come out. And mm. I I just thought, do you know, that's one thing that I don't want to have said about me. I don't want to yeah. just fly off and allow my emotions to control me. And yeah, give me a reason to go back and say sorry. And it's not even that I don't want to not say sorry. It's just if I'm if I'm creating that for myself and what just save myself the hassle. <laughs> I'm not having to like apologize for being stupid or say silly things. Um, I'm yeah. not saying that that's never happened. <laughs> I'm just saying that's just <laughs> something to try and live by. Um, and I guess for that particular occasion, I didn't, I didn't know. I think my friend was a little bit older, so there was always that respecting your elders kind of thing. I wanted to respect the leader of the church as well. And, you know, they should know more than you. And so maybe he had a point. Mm. I didn't really know where else to go. I didn't know where else to turn. Um, I wasn't really at a place where it was like, fine, I'm going to find another church then. Mm. Um, there was too much attachment because of the things that I'd gone through already to how me and mum ended up in that church. Gotcha. So I thought, all right, I'll, I'll wait out the six months and we'll see what happens. And nothing did happen. I still somewhat served in the youth. Um, I was... I cleaned. <laughs> I cleaned after the, the evening. I served in the tuck shop. I always counted all the money and I, I was quite happy to do that. I wasn't really pushing for a leadership role. Yeah. Um, so that wasn't really an issue for me. I just wanted to remain, yeah, kind of who yeah. I who I am. Six months come around and I had a meeting with my friend. I kind of pulled him up and said, hey, it's been six months. So am I back on now? Thinking that that was the rule. <laughs> so and I was told, no, it was never grounded to be six months. Um, it was as and when he felt. That just leaves it so fluffy for me. I, I, don't, I don't know at this point what I've got to prove. I don't know what my boyfriend at the time had to prove. I don't know. I, I had nothing to gauge or measure my behavior on. I don't even know what it was about my behavior that was supposedly wrong. Um, it was just so open. I just, I, I, I honestly, I don't, I have nothing else to say about it apart from just feeling so lost because like there was, there was no grid for me to, to work towards. And I didn't, in one hand, it's like, but there wasn't anything for me to work towards. 
because I hadn't done anything wrong. Two, there wasn't support and there wasn't any accountability because you you still didn't come back to me and say, no, let's meet weekly or fortnightly or whatever and just see how you guys are coming on. I really didn't know what the expectation was, but there clearly was one. And it I had to guess. So <laughs> wow. I man, this this really strikes a chord for me because I I relate to being in your position as well of uh, walking through a restoration process. And I say that with air quotes for our podcast listeners, but I I say that that way uh, because uh, I've I've been through two and one was like 15 years ago or something. And uh, in that process, I had the same lack of clarity and I felt I felt very similar at times, even in this process of the last five years and lacking, like, what's your problem? Is your problem that you need attention? Well, you're supposed to be a leader. Leaders do stand in front of people and lead. So how do you do that without any attention? Or is the issue that you're manipulative and you're a liar? Well, yeah, that's true. But How do I get, you know, like all the different things that were pointed at by different people from different angles, which all have validity to them, but then the, the, the lack of clarity of how do I move forward, which was really what, uh, when I finally found Bulletproof Husband, there's such clarity in their program that that made a world of difference. It was like, here's the six stages that you're going to walk through. Here's where you are right now. Here's where you are on the map. Here's what you need to do and work on inside yourself to rebuild your yourself as a man and your relationships, become trustworthy, all of that stuff. And I just, I think that so often people like your friend, who's the pastor are also in that spot of like, well, I don't trust Kelly and I don't know how to trust her again. I don't know how to rebuild this thing. So we'll just throw more time at it. And I, I hear that as the solution all the time. Well, John, you should stay on ministry for five years, 10 years, 20 years, the rest of your life. And it's like, so you don't know how to, you don't know how to trust again. I get it. I understand. But time doesn't fix it all by itself. It's, it's, it's more practical than that. And I think so often we you know, I just, I really re- resonate with where you were at of lacking that clarity when you were waiting and hoping and watching and the confusion of, of that. Um, and I've, I've, yeah, I've been on both sides of the fence here. So, um, so that, that experience is your early twenties. And then as you move forward, uh, you shared about another relationship. Was that soon after, or what? What happened uh, with with that one? That the relationship itself was controlling and toxic. So, obviously, things didn't work out with my ex fiance. <laughs> um, and just to speak into that a little bit. So, again, with the continuation of the support in the church, um, one thing the assistant pastor his brother and my friend were in a relationship and a few years before that they actually had overstepped the line and got intimate uh, when they were like 16 17 so there was a whole restoration program for them mm. so by the time I were I'm in my early 20s and I'm only dating somebody part of me does think was there a protective essence to that as well but then you've already walked through a couple that have overstepped the line and yet surely you should be practiced at this to make sure that you know, talk to us and say are you aware of certain boundaries and you know can we just maybe set some things in place to help make sure that you both are on the same page and don't want you know certain things to yeah. to happen or like you know whatever that might be so there was a, a bit of that which was like I don't understand why I didn't quite get that kind of support but then my ex-fiance at the time he was he was a couple of years younger than me um but there was another girl within the church that caught his attention and um she would kind of bounce through different (laughs) guys unfortunately so being the female and you know most guys uh, they do uh admit that women are a little bit more 
kind of honed in with their senses when a particular woman is a certain way. And so I warned him and said, mm -mm, I'm not comfortable with the way that you're messaging. Um, it's not even that I don't necessarily trust you. It's just one, again, covering yourself and two, her intentions as well. If her intentions aren't good, then you shouldn't really be paying any attention yourself. Um, mm. but unfortunately, uh, he he just couldn't not talk to her. He couldn't not pay her attention. He, there were things that happened behind my back where they were meeting um, that I didn't know about. And so effectively ended up cheating on me. But um, I gave him back his ring and we ended that very quickly, mm. uh, which left me obviously very heartbroken because I, yeah. I, I felt like I've been punished because of you <laughs> through the church. And I stuck by you because of that. And yet you couldn't stick by me in the same way. Um, I I also had, you know, a life outside of the church as well. And I used to do a lot of singing and I was part of, um, I guess, a, a music group um, in, in Bristol. And at that time, I met my ex who was also... Um, say an MC used to produce and um produce music and used to kind of rap and stuff like that so we st we started off by working together musically and um this is, this is the next relationship this is the next relationship and this okay. didn't happen long afterwards so I would say within well we'd already met we'd already met before me and my ex-fiance broke up so he was aware of what was happening yeah and also showed interest now my issue was and what the red flags that I ignored it wasn't that I missed it I just ignored them was the manipulation um the manip the manipulation come from a place where it was flattering so it was hard to gauge because he was showing interest. He was obviously very flattering towards me, um, telling me that he wanted to be with me, saw me in his future, all that kind of stuff. But I was holding him at arm's length and just saying, I want to get over this first before I enter a relationship with you because I don't want to, I don't want to, I just don't want to drag that into this. I, I want it to be a clean slate. So I don't have that memory in our future where it's like, oh, when we met, and then he's kind of the experience is looming there in the background. Oh, yeah, it was on the back end of that. I didn't want that to be my story with him. But instead of that being maybe um, an, a nice, mature thing to have said, <laughs> instead yeah. it was like, oh, but I don't know if you really want to be with me then. So I'm just thinking, oh, but I'm telling you that I am interested you know, to get to know you more and to be with you. But I'm just saying I don't want it to be because of that. And I kind of thought that maybe you would want that as well that you don't want me to be dragging my baggage from that into this and I want to be like a whole person for you rather than you know the broken person I feel like I am now so mm. I kind of gave into it I suppose he was quite persistent and I didn't have a great relationship with my dad that was also on the rocks at the time I've just lost you know my ex-fiance I didn't feel supported by the other men in my life as well this guy mm. seemed to be the closest most reliable guy even though he's acting a certain way so I just gravitated towards him because it was like okay we'll just give it a go and see what happens unfortunately the let's go and see what happens then turned into more manipulation um where I I started to lose myself and he wasn't like no, he wasn't really a Christian. He would say that he was and he was a believer, but he he wasn't. And it wasn't until I got in too deep that I realized that actually he he was my distraction to try and pull me out of the church, um, mm. to pull me away from people. Um, I think what was the first... The first, yeah, so the first signs literally were just, if I didn't do any, if I didn't do what he wanted me to do, I didn't love him. And so I would try and show him other ways of love, but it's like, that wasn't good enough. Um, again, that just escalated. So he couldn't drive at the time. So I was the one driving us everywhere. Um, I was 
the financial holder. So I, you know, he didn't really work. He couldn't hold a job for more than three months because he wanted to pursue his career of being this famous wannabe rapper or whatever. And I wanted to support that. And we were young, I guess. We're still in our early 20s. And I I just kind of felt like he is good. He gets a lot of recognition from people. And I'm sure maybe I could be that person to support him and help him go far. But unfortunately it was more like a benefactor rather than we're doing this together mm-hmm. um and then yeah it just it just escalated it just it got worse because i was showing i was showing i was showing too much softness i think um my dad didn't agree with my relationship because he um was uh, jamaican by heritage so he he was black but my dad didn't want me to be with um, a black guy so straight away he was like I've, I've warned you about this and I remember one of the most vivid arguments with my dad at that time was me saying so you would rather me be with the guy that cheated on me because he's white or with this guy who is at that time was showing me signs of love and care and affection and my dad said yes so to hear that from my dad to say that actually I, I was so confused by his reaction if I'm honest because it was like you'd rather me be with someone that disrespects me than be with somebody just because of his color who then ended up disrespecting me anyway but I think maybe because of that that resonated with me and I started to believe that actually maybe I just deserve this Mm. because I I've just felt unsupported throughout the whole experience of ever having a boyfriend Mm. I wasn't supported by my dad I wasn't supported by the pastor I wasn't supported by my friends in the church so, you know, what do I do? Even, even when I broke up, up from my ex-fiance and he was then sat with the girl he was cheating on. I'm I'm now back on the worship team looking into the congregation at him, sat with his new girlfriend, and I had zero support from the church. Yeah. And so now I'm with this other guy and again getting zero support. So it was just like, do you know what? I just threw my hands in the air and I just said, whatever. <laughs> I I'd lost all respect for myself. I was worthless um I I'd had no use for myself there was nothing that I could do right um I'm I'm the taxi by the way but if I'm five or ten minutes late I literally I would drop him off at his house and he'd say yeah see you later thanks and I'm like what so I'm not I'm not coming in and he's like no almost like you've pissed me off so no I don't want to see you I'm like, I can't believe that I've just driven like 13 miles from my house to come and pick you up in rush hour traffic. I've explained why I'm late. I also had to come home from work, do all these things. And it was just like, it's not good enough. Like, I, and all of that just made me feel like not good enough. My efforts weren't good enough. My money wasn't good enough. My time wasn't good enough. And it got to one point where on one, one occasion, he said, I want you to write down everything like bad about yourself. Or everything that you think about yourself and I did I listed everything about myself um there's things like I'm maybe not even like yeah I'm not good enough um no I'm not good enough to my friends whatever there was maybe up to 20 things that I just didn't like about myself on the list hoping that maybe he would say like oh no I wouldn't I wouldn't say that about you or whatever but he sat there and nodded and agreed with the whole list and said yeah that's who you are and I was just like, oh, okay, well. But he, by that point, he'd already cut off so many of my friends. Um, because the same way that he he applied those tactics with me, he he did it to my friends as well, which again couldn't they they didn't understand. So they would come to me and say, like, oh, I heard you had a, an argument with him again. And I'm like, yeah, and they're like, we don't understand it. Like he comes across so so charming and so lovely to us, like. And I'm like, yeah, because he benefits from you and you're not that close. He knows you, he can't treat you that way. But it was it was mentally exhausting and it was a lot of mind games. It was very much me hearing one from, from them and doubting myself because, like I said, I've just written a whole list of stuff about myself, which wasn't necessarily true, but agreed with. I didn't have any words of affirmation from anybody else because I didn't have that support or a friendship group around me anymore. And now I'm hearing from other people that, are you sure this is who he is? And so no, I feel I am the crazy person because only I am seeing this and only I am experiencing this. I think actually the only one person was a friend, was, was my vocal teacher 
she was going through a lot at the time as well and so I'd sit with her but he tried to bring a wedge between us as well because he knew the kind of conversations we were having and she was the first person that turned around to me from her own experiences of abusive relationships and said Kelly one day he will turn on and hit you and I was like no 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 he won't get that far but even if he did that's it I walk um but actually one day it got to the point where I was in church and he messaged I, I literally kept like a little vanity case like at his because I was staying at his so everything that they spoke over me from my previous relationship was now coming true because I just lost everything I lost focus of myself my faith everything and he said oh come come and get your stuff um, or I just I'll throw it out the house or throw it in the bin it wasn't to be honest it wasn't anything you could throw it in the bin I could have replaced it it wasn't anything valuable but it was an opportunity to see him so I left church straight away and I went to see him and plead with him and as usual an hour's worth of just talking out my heart and just well I thought it was like this I thought it was like that actually I think the argument believe it or not and this was a lot of the cases our argument was on him buying a bag of chips it was ridiculous. Yes. Okay. <laughs> because he was unwell. He didn't have money. He wasn't working at the time. He'd lost his job because of doing stupid things like going out to parties and to perform when apparently he was off work for whiplash and because he was sick, but then would go and post it on Facebook where he was friends with the manager. And I'm like, oh, there was no common sense to this person so I'm warning him but my warning signs were always oh you're trying almost like I was trying to control him or I'm trying to tell him what to do and I'm like I'm not trying to tell you what to do I'm literally telling you what everyone else is going to see and I'm trying to protect you he couldn't see it as protection he saw it as you're trying to tell me what to do and control my life so anyway he got fired from that job he was he was off sick not working I cooked him food the day before and left him food at his house. But now you're going out and using money that I'm probably now going to give you for a bag of chips. And so it was more of the process of the conversation that I'm trying to get across. It's not like, oh, you shouldn't have bought them like what, two, three pounds, whatever. It was more the principle. I cooked yeah. for you yesterday. Why are you not eating what I've cooked for you? Why are you going spending more money when you're not earning it? And I'm the one paying you basically. And so it come out of that and I, I couldn't believe that he was, he was willing to, to break up with me for a bag of chips. Basically. <laughs> and I thought, oh my God, like, I can't even believe it. And like, that's my value. I'm like, I'm less than a bag of chips. So, okay, great. Um, I, I go and try and plead with him because I've lost everything else. So I might as well try and keep you because, you know, I, I don't know where else to turn without you. And that literally what he would say, he's like, I'm the only person that you can trust. I'm the only person that you can rely on. I'm the only person that will tell you the truth. So all those things he was constantly feeding into me. Mm. And I, I'd gone around to plead with him. And uh, as usual, hour later, okay, is that is that all you've got to say? Yeah, but I kind of want you to have a conversation back with me. And he's like, that's it. I've, I have nothing to say to you. Get out of my house. I'm like, you just, <laughs> you just can't tell me to get out of your house. So he he got physical with me. Um, he um, he he tried to push me out the front door, but I managed to close it. So now I'm backed up against the front door, and instead of trying to push me out, he's now strangling me against it. At this point, I'm saying I can't breathe. Um, like, and I'm I'm literally looking at his eyes, trying to plead past the demon that I'm seeing in him. And trying to reach his heart and praying in my mind thinking god i know i've done so much wrong right now but like i just i i need you to get through to him and be in the eyes or your window to your soul i'm looking at his eyes and i'm going i cannot breathe and he says f you i'm like i, I don't know what's happening right now so eventually he lets me he lets me go but i run into the hallway and he turns around and punches me um, on my arm and then starts like just starts grabbing. We're just grappling. We're just kind of like fighting. Like he's just put trying to I'm trying to stay in. I almost it's weird. Like even looking back at it, like I'm trying to stay in the danger zone because I, I almost feel like this determination to break through the wall that I'm seeing in you and try and prove to you how much I love you. And I, I want to make this work. Like I've, I've sacrificed so much for you. I've lost a relationship with my dad because of you. I've pretty much lost my relationships at church and outside of church because of you. Like, at least please see what I've given up for you and don't let me have wasted all of this. And it just wasn't enough. It really wasn't enough. Um, 
so fast forward now I go I, I rushed to my friend's mum who told me one day he's going to hit you mm. and like the wise kind of sage she was <laughs> I turn up at her door crying and the first thing she said is he hit you didn't he <laughs> come in come in so no I don't know what to do she took she took uh, she had an event so she took my car keys she took my bag she took my purse she took everything and she went I'm you cannot go anywhere you're staying in this house until I get back and she one of her <laughs> friends also was with me and she was like Joe stay with her until so I followed him around the rest of the day I'm just like this little sheep like in in his car don't know where to go and then now it's kicking in like my body hurts from where he's physically like hit me but even that wasn't enough he was actually performing that evening and that's why she took my stuff because she was like you're not going to go and see him but there was an addiction that almost come with it from my side yeah. and it's like I was addicted to him I was addicted to the abuse and I went to see him I saw him perform I didn't know how he was going to how he's going to react because a lot of the rules again were very fluffy so say for example he said don't talk to me because I want to show you how much I love you the next day I'll probably message you and try and talk to you I've told you don't talk to me but I'm trying to talk to you because I want to resolve it so then he would tell me you don't listen okay I don't listen so you told me don't talk to you I won't talk to you five days six days seven days go by I don't hear from him for a week how is it a week and you've not contacted me so then it's like, we didn't contact me. You obviously didn't love me because you're not, you you didn't, you didn't call me. But you said, don't talk to you. And whenever I've done that in the past, you said, so the rules always changed. The, so the, there was, it sounds like there was stonewalling that he was doing, but then when you'd reach out, he'd gaslight you. That's. I couldn't I, win. I was circle. never. Yeah. yeah. There was no, there was no chance of winning. And it's exactly that. So. Mm. I, I talk to you, you're not listening because you're, you're talking to me. Okay, I won't talk to you, but when will you talk to me? And, and very similar, again, going back to the whole church thing, it was like a time limit on it, or there wasn't a time limit on it because it was like, when I'm ready. Okay, but when are you ready? Okay, it's been a week. Like, I don't think that's normal human behavior that if you love somebody and you care about someone that you're willing to let them just go without like a week, two weeks. I, I don't know, well, how long do I wait for you? And then it's like, well, you didn't exactly come and talk to me, did you? Oh, good Lord. I don't, I don't, well, I don't know where I am with you then. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm really trying my best to do what you're asking of me to do. Um, I don't know, I don't know what to do. So anyway, we're, we're going home from this event and I didn't know how he was going to react. I didn't know whether it was going to be a case of you shouldn't have come. I told you to stay away from me um, or... I should have gone because that showed him that I cared. I mean, I was the one that got him. It, the event was a competition, which I signed him up for. So I kind of felt like the person that is pushing you and trying to push your career and trying to support you, at least I should be there. And you should at least give me something for that. Like, hello, it, it's me that I'm, I'm the number one fan here. So I don't know why you're treating me this way. So we're driving on the way home to, to his house and it, it's quiet he's not actually talking to me he's just staring out the window and it's it's ice cold it's just we're not seeing anything to each other so I I was brave and thought well he I either raise it now and he realizes that if he lashes out at me and I crash the car we're both gonna die <laughs> and maybe he doesn't want to lose his life and maybe he values his own life more than mine so maybe now is the time to say it so I thought okay I'll take that risk because I didn't know where else I was going to go anyway um so I said okay um let's just talk about what happened earlier and just shrugged and said what happened earlier I was like with the argument yeah what happened with the argument I'm like you you actually hit me I said you strangled me and you hit me this is where I know that some kind of mental stuff was going on because he was like no no it didn't and he just completely refused to believe that anything happened and I said well you you didn't remember that you did that to me he said you, you're mad that didn't happen I was like oh god I'm with a psychopath right now I, I actually don't know how to handle this um so we went home I don't actually remember how the rest of that evening went whether I just dropped him off and then went home myself or whether I went in and spoke I can't 
I think I blotted certain things out because it just got too crazy and I I was losing it mentally myself I couldn't focus at work I, I was like I said I lost my friends but I was just yeah it was really bad for me um one on one occasion I remember I, I got home and I was on my driveway in the car at 5 30 in the morning and that's when my dad used to leave for work and he came out and he said if you don't sort yourself out you're going to end up in a mental home and I think that was a reality check for me because it was like yeah how how am I just sat on, I didn't I didn't know what what to do where to go and just sat in the car at 5 30 in the morning and I, I had to get to work I had to be up by seven to go to work that same day and I can't keep taking time off work because I'm sick because of the guy making me sick so I ended up speaking to his mum um I actually really got on well with his mum his mum really liked me and she um again I think I just there were certain things that maybe God was making happen that was just a reality check so I I I was wearing a hoodie like this is in summer like July and I'm wearing a hoodie to to cover the bruises and Mm. I took it off and I showed her and I said this is what you've done because I think I might have had some bruising on my neck and on my arm and I showed her and she she even said I I don't know where he got that from because even though his dad wasn't around um there was a lot of dad hurt from his side, if I'm honest. There was there was obviously some disappointments and I think some trauma from when he was perhaps four when his dad left and stuff that it was unresolved. But it got to the point where I can't fix you. I'm yeah. clearly not the person that can help you. You're not listening to me. I can't fix you. Your mum is saying she doesn't know what to do with you. He'd formed certain tactics that later on when I was able to look back at it and, and realise certain things, he would get himself into a rage and she would walk away from him and say, I can't talk to you when you're like this. But then she would never go back and resolve it. And mm-hmm. I realized that's what he was hoping would happen with me. He didn't want to hear something I was saying. He didn't want me to retaliate or question, which is what I was always doing. I was questioning and trying to see, search deeper because I wanted more. But he didn't want that. He wanted me to just go, OK, whatever, and walk away and then come back as if nothing had happened, i.e. the car situation nothing happened Kelly I didn't hit you I didn't lay a hand on you you're the crazy one he just wanted to block everything out from his mind constantly and she said to me I know he's my son but I think I think you're better off without him for a mother to say that about her son I just thought wow you know like and I but I think it was the first time I felt respect from somebody that actually you could do better and you don't actually deserve this um, so yeah, it was a, it was a long process after that, but um, took me years to get over it and heal. Um, was that did you end the relationship or what 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 happened next with that? Did you? Um, I moved to London. Oh, okay. We were still kind of trying to work things out, um, but I. I really wasn't doing well at work. I wasn't able to focus and I needed I needed to stimulate my brain. Like I felt I'd got to the end of something and the end of myself and I needed to find myself again. And I wanted to push myself to be better. And maybe all that energy that I was pouring to him to try and make him better, I'd neglected parts of my, uh, a lot of myself, not even parts of myself, but a whole lot of myself. And so yeah. I thought, actually, I want to go back and do a degree. And it was a bit later on. I was like 25, 20, no, 26, 27 um, at this point. And so I went back. I wanted to do a degree. I wasn't in a place to take on anything heavy. And I, like I said, I was in music already. And because it's quite a healing thing as well, and it's creative, um, I just thought it was an easy route for me. So I ended up doing a music degree that's never been used, as most students probably say. But in a way, it was my escape. Yeah. My escape route. And I I knew I couldn't do it in Bristol. I had, like I said before, he was an an addiction and I didn't didn't have the support. I didn't know who to go to. Um, All I knew was I needed distance. And he, I couldn't, I couldn't get that distance between us. Um, so whilst a lot of my other friends had moved on, were getting married and all that kind of stuff, I just thought, okay, well, I'll just leave. I'll go to, to London. I'll do my degree. If I come back, I come back. If not, then I'll settle there. And um, it didn't take long before we, we properly cut ties. 
Um, I remember being in one rehearsal one evening and um, he was contacting me and it's weird as I was reflecting on this, I don't know why, how the conversation started, but he'd messaged and turned into a phone call and it was, it was easy for me because actually he'd said all along, if you go, I can't support you. And again, that was another stab to the heart because of all the money that I've poured into you, of all the things that I've done for you. And yet I moved to London and you can't even try and keep a long distance relationship, but I knew it was all about control. I knew that I can't control you from almost 200 miles away. I don't know what you're doing. I can't trust you. I realized that trust came from him because what transpires is everything that he accused me of, he did. So he gave me back the phone that I got out for him. He forgot to log out of um, Facebook, a whole bunch of messages to other women in there. So in one in one hand, I got my phone where he's saying, oh, but we're soulmates, you're the love of my life, blah, blah, blah. I still want us to work it out. But yesterday you were telling this girl that you also want to meet up with her in a hotel for the weekend. So I'm just like this. Right. I, I don't yeah. know what is going on. And, and like before, I went back to Bristol when I visited and I showed him both the messages and said, but you see it here. And he denied it and said, you're reading into it wrong. Um, I don't know how I'm reading. I want to meet up with you in a hotel this weekend wrong. What, what, how, how can you translate that for me? Yeah, yeah um, it, it's not what it means, Kelly. It's not what it says. Do you know what? You're delusional. And by that point, I started to get that distance and find something for myself again, where I thought I'm not, I can't go down your mental route again. Like you, li- I, I literally can see how women can die in those situations. And I think what scared me was before I met him, I was um, a teaching assistant for um, in a pupil referral unit. So this was a base where kids couldn't be handled in a mainstream school. And so it was a very small classroom of kids that had like really difficult emotional and behavioral needs. And I was talking to the girls and I said, if a man ever lays a hand on you, walk away. Like you were worth so much more. So I was just like, words of affirmation were just flowing. I was just really trying to encourage them how beautiful they are and how they are successful, even if they don't feel that they are because they're not doing the same GCSEs and the same qualifications that kids in the mainstream school would be doing. And yet, how did I find myself in this exact same situation? How am I here? And now I'm the one that can't walk away from it. Mm. And it it was like, oh my God, it's just that it's step by step. It was the little by little, that 1% kind of, he was never gonna ask me out on a date and then like, bye, see you later, boom, like and punch me in my face. Cause obviously that would have been like, hell no, I'm not me and I'm with you again, you're a lunatic. But yeah. just little by little, just step by step, just to kind of claw me in, remove some friends, take me out my comfort zone. Now you become my comfort zone. I was trapped and I, I, I really didn't know how to escape that. I just let's let's pause here for a moment, because I first of all, I just want to honor you for sharing such a raw story and that the the bravery, the vulnerability is just beautiful. And so thank you for that. And in the story, there's so much that could be said. And I know we're we're up against the clock as well in our time of recording together. But I, I think uh, from the beginning of that relationship where you had just broke up with your fiance and now here's this other relationship and he's pushing and there's that, you know, you want to take time to heal and find yourself and so forth, but he's pushing, pushing, pushing. Um, you know, it's it's such a such a red flag. And I, I appreciate that you said, you know, I, it's not that I didn't see the red flag, it's that I ignored the red flag, which is a really responsible statement. Uh, but there's also, even in that, um, the picture that comes back, like when a, uh, when a bunny rabbit is really wounded. Now, bunny rabbits, they get wounded pretty easily. They're pretty fragile. They die pretty easily. But when they get, pretty badly wounded, uh, they start making a sound. And I don't know if you've ever heard the sound, but it is horrific because it sounds like a woman being stabbed to death. Like it is, it is a horrible sound. And that sound attracts wolves and coyotes 
to come and kill and eat and finish off the rabbit. So it's it's like a self-destruct sound that that gets put out. And it's I think there's something to that even in whether it's the emotional realm, the spiritual realm, something like that that when when somebody's wounded and they they are hurting and wounded and damaged in the way that that you've described it puts out a sound or puts out a frequency or something into the atmosphere that draws those who are what we would call predators but from another angle um the the predator is also somebody who has a huge hole in their bucket and so he's not okay so he's coming to go, oh, maybe you can help fix the hole in my bucket. I can't get myself a normal, healthy, solid woman. So instead, I'm going to be attracted to the sound of this rabbit that's that needs, you know, to be finished off. And so that sound that gets put out into the into the air releases something that draws the wolf and draws that, you know, hole in the bucket person. And I, I think we, we all at different times can be uh, on one side or the other. I've been on both sides. I don't know. I'm not saying everybody does both sides, but I, it's, it's easy to understand both sides for me because I've, I've been really hurt and wounded by leaders and girlfriends and church and all of that over the years. And I've also, uh, drawn around and drawn to myself people that were hurting because there was something that was meeting a need inside of me. And it was a toxic way of being a man, a husband, a leader, but it was, uh, it was just that dynamic and that, that wolf kind of thing that comes from the broken masculine and it's, it's powerfully dangerous. And so I, I recognize, you know, both sides of that, I guess what I'm, because, because of time, I, I'm just going to bring in one other question and hear hear where you take us because what I don't hear in the Kelly that I know, because this is years ago that this happened, but the Kelly that I know, um, you don't carry around like I'm a survivor, I'm a victim. Like you don't have some of these labels over your identity. Uh, what did the healing process look like? And do you, do you, do you, what are your thoughts on some of those labels or people who carry that around with them? That's a great question and really interesting actually, because it's something that I've not necessarily noticed or recognized about myself either. Um, the healing process was long and it's so interesting that you gave that analogy about the rabbit and that attraction, because for many years I realized, and I know a lot of Christians don't like this particular saying, but about the law of attraction, but it yeah. literally was that that was happening to me afterwards. So just to speak very briefly mm. to that, because that's a whole other mess that came out of when I first then moved to London, was I cannot describe or explain to you quite how this gaping hole or this portal that had been opened even spiritually based on what I'd gone through my my friend I, I was attracting every single wrong guy and it mm -hmm. was weird because my ex had left me saying no one else is going to want you but then I come to London and it felt like everybody wanted me and it sounds really arrogant but it wasn't for the right reasons right <laughs> it's a it was, pack of wolves <laughs> yeah literally I would be walking down the street and some guy would just come up to me and just start chatting I've never experienced that before I would be on the bus and a guy would just start talking to me I'd be anywhere now when I started getting closer to some of my other friends and they're just like and they would I'd start to tell them like oh, I met this guy he ended up being the same a month later oh he ends up being the same oh this one ends up being the same they're like Kelly you need to stop meeting guys in clubs and they just thought it was just in the club because I was doing some part-time work in clubs um to fund myself whilst I was at uni I went it's not it's not just that yeah yeah I've met some idiots in the club but I'm like, this is on the street, this is in the supermarket, this is on the bus, this is anywhere. And uh, it wasn't until one day that they witnessed it. 
I was on my way. So Nigerians have this thing that after you have a baby, there's eight days and you have a, a baby naming ceremony. And so my our friend of ours had uh, a baby and they're doing the naming ceremony. So we're walking through Peckham and um, me and my other two friends, uh, they <laughs> were just walking together, just chatting. And all of a sudden, this, this African guy from across the street, he must have come out of a church from somewhere, just starts shouting. And he was going, hey, hey, white girl, are you married? Are you? And he came up and he grabbed my hand and kissed my hand. He was like, oh, blah, blah, blah. I just started like, oh my God, you're so beautiful. Blah, 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 blah. I have, his friend come up and he's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so striking his friend. <laughs> I look at my, it was just like, thank you, Lord. Because I look at my friends, I go, do you see? I go, do you see what is happening? I go, this is not normal. <laughs> this is not normal behavior. They you can't like, take me anywhere. <laughs> yeah. You can't admit, I am just <laughs> attracting all the weirdos. Like, what is going on? Oh my, they were just like, okay, we believe you. And I think it was from things like that that I realized I'm still, I'm still not there. I'm still not healed. And it was very uncomfortable because now I'm in my 30s and I'm getting older and, you know, I'm finding my relationship back with God again. But now all of a sudden the noise is getting quiet. So now I feel less attractive because I'm not even attracting the weirdos. And so I'm going out on the bus. No one's talking to me. I'm going out on the street. No one's talking to me. I might get the odd message on Facebook from someone or whatever or Instagram, but it wasn't as loud. Mm. And so I went through a season where in my healing, I felt very alone and I felt very unattractive still. And it was really uncomfortable because mm. All that stuff. I had things to balance and I had things to work through and process because then I, I started hearing my ex again saying, No one will want you. Well, it looks mm. that way because no one's even talking to me. So it was really hard. It was, it was kind of like I'd flip on one side, then I'd flip back to the other side. And then my mind was like on a tennis court. One minute I feel really healthy, next minute I'm feeling really low about myself again. Then I'm feeling like, no, actually I feel good, but yeah, it's looking quite quiet on the guy front. Like, I don't know what's going on. Am I ever going to get married? It was really weird. Um, but it wasn't until my relationship got better with God. And basically I gave him a, an ultimatum. <laughs> it was my spiritual life that had to be fixed first. Um, and I'll just be open and just say, I just gave God an ultimatum. I just said, it's not you that I'm giving up on necessarily. It's church. I was mm. fed up of just getting the general, you'll be all right. Yeah, just pray. You'll just read your Bible. Just, uh. I'd gone up and I, I went to just release my heart. Onto one, I actually went back to one friend in Bristol, blurted out everything that I was doing. I had no follow up. And I thought, okay, I'm not doing that again. I went to do it one more time. That friend didn't give me time. I thought, I'm not going to do it again. So I, I, I was I was vulnerable. I didn't want to let out all of this stuff that I'm doing that is wrong to now not get the right support. And so it become very individual. And out of that, I guess it was God. And it was just a case of I was talking to my mum a lot more. Um, she introduced me virtually on YouTube to Todd White. And then your, you came up as well. And so I started listening to your teachings. And I just got into a much better place spiritually first. I was still doing some of the things I wasn't meant to be doing. But do you know what I felt in my spirit? God said that that wasn't the main thing for me. It wasn't the fact that I was sleeping with different guys. It wasn't the fact that I was smoking weed even. It wasn't the fact that I was doing all of these things to try and heal and try and feel love and try and just numb myself and escape. Everything yeah. was escapism. Because mm. it wasn't that. It was my relationship with you. And I and it was like that peace and that resolve that knew that God knew I know how to fix you. And that's not important to me right now. Your behavior is not important. It's mm. you. And it's working on that deep stuff on the inside. And then that's what started to heal me. And it wasn't until then that other stuff started to look ugly. The other stuff started to feel uncomfortable to the point where I remember the last time that I was, I was smoking with somebody and I manifested and I had, um, the song I had Stephanie Gretzinger in my head she's singing holy spirit you're welcome here and it was going over 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 in my mind and I started rocking and the guy was a Christian but he wasn't like that kind of Christian and 
I just felt this in my stomach, almost like someone was punching me, like that kind of tension. And then Holy Spirit said to me, now you have to choose. You, ha- you, you can't have both worlds. Now you have to choose. And I was like, yeah, because I, I already knew. I already knew actually I didn't want this. I was fighting it as well. I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to smoke it. I don't want to smoke it. But even being in that atmosphere just made me feel some kind of way. And I then just felt like I, I can't. I can't do this anymore and that was it that was literally the line in the sand and that was it I was healed (laughs) but to say that I don't I don't know the victim thing me dragging it around um it's not attractive to me I'm not attractive to people that 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 are like that still um the whole survivor thing um I'm not the only one. I'm not the only person that goes through this. Um, so I don't I don't want to elevate myself above and go, oh, this was my story. And you, know? you know, some people have like some women have been left in hospital, some people have actually died through abusive relationships. So maybe that's a part of it as well. But yeah. it's just not me as a person. Um, I'm here to just boost people and and pull them up rather than trying to drag them down. And it's my story. It helps me teach other people. It's given me wisdom. It's given me the allowance and the ability to point out things um, much more quickly and specifically. I'm just grateful for it, to be honest. Say that part again, because there's people that that might not catch what you're saying you're grateful for. What are you grateful for in, in the fact of owning your story? Who it's made you become? Is that really the summary? I, yeah, I am the most, I'm in the most, I'm sure there's more that God will do. I'm not saying I'm a hundred percent, but to be able to sit here now, I'm, I'm the most secure. I think I've ever been in my life where I've been taken through seasons where it's not about popularity. It's not about being seen times when you have been seen, but then being drawn out of the limelight for a season knowing what season that you're in and still being secure in yourself secure in who you are and who is around you and I think it's about contentment I don't think we talk about contentment enough in the Mm -hmm. church I'm very content um I think it's gratitude as well and thankfulness that I have come out of those things forgiveness as well has caused me to uh, believe it or not I've even spoken to my ex since we don't have long conversations and it's probably been years but we every now and again something will come up in a conversation or there would just be a, a random high and there's nothing and the thing is what feels so different is that I know that he knows there's no hold on me I know in his mind that there would be no chance and it's not even because I'm married some guys don't care whether you got a ring or not like they'll just get try it but I know that there's nothing because of what I carry and because of what literally exuberates from me I know that there's a confidence that I didn't have before there's a stability that I didn't have before that wound is closed and so it's more that a shield has been put in front of that hole that is naturally just deflecting off of that so I'm not worried if I fall under another narcissistic leader again I am very happy to address it and just walk away you know, if, if it's not for me to try and fix that person or if I uh, approach them and they're not going to listen and I do my due diligence in terms of, OK, is it my purpose to try and protect the congregation? Is it for me to raise it with the rest of the leadership? As long as I say my point and then walk away, it's for you to deal with that information. Um, even Jesus walked past people. He's like, I can't do everything. And it's your own responsibility. And you have to take ownership of some things. So I think it's just that. I think it's just whatever I'm meant to deal with, I will. Whatever I'm not, I won't. And I'm, I like to live simple. I don't think we should overthink or overcomplicate things. So for me, it's just, I want a simple life. If I don't need to be there, I will happily move church or I will leave that leadership and that is fine. So I don't know if that really answers the question, but. It, it does. And there's, there's a word you haven't used, but it's at the core of a lot of what you're saying is authenticity and it's really like the picture I get with it uh that that we use quite often in the men's group is 
if you're running a marathon and somebody jumps out of the bushes and puts, you know, nine bullets through your chest and you somehow survive and now you're laying in a hospital bed, you're still a marathon runner. You're just not running a marathon at the moment. You just have all these wounds that have to be healed and recover and rehab and everything so that you can run a marathon again. But you're still a marathon runner underneath it all at your core. And in your story, you're sharing, you know, this this wound happened with the church leader, with the worship team, with this first fiance, with the abusive narcissistic relationship, all the, the bullet holes that were added up because of that don't change that at the core, there's still you. And through the process, it sounds like your walk with just the father actually got you back to who you are inside. And then eventually your behavior changed as a result of that. But your he wasn't focused on your behavior. He was focused on the true Kelly at the core. Yeah. I, I'm so confused by that. I thought, but God, why are you not stopping me from doing this? Why are you not helping me to stop doing these things? Like it had already become a desire to not do it, but I didn't know why he wasn't fully putting the, the gate on it and just saying like, no, you're not doing that anymore. It, it really felt very much of a shrug from God, just kind of like, yeah, let's work on this first and then we'll get to that. <laughs> Yes. And I'm sure Jesus was just as surprising to the tax collectors and the prostitutes and everybody like, why aren't you yelling at me for, you know, ripping people off or whatever? <laughs> and it's, eh, I'm going to, I'm going to love you first. So yeah. oh, beautiful. Well, Kelly, where can uh, people find you and more of what you're up to with ministry and all, all of the things in your world at the moment? You can find me um, on most social media um, platforms. So I'm on Facebook. You can find me as Kelly Kells, uh, in brackets, Kelly Otutu Daniel, for those that <laughs> couldn't necessarily find me. Um, I'm Kelly Kells Official on Instagram. And I do have a ministry called Army Rising, but like I said earlier, it's um, a little bit dormant at the moment. We're just working through that and what that's going to look like. But it's called Army Rising Ministries. So again, you'll find a page of that on Facebook and also on Instagram as well. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Kelly. Appreciate you sharing so, so much and so raw and honest. And uh, that's who I know you to be. So I appreciate you sharing your yourself with all of our listeners and viewers and uh, guys go find her on social media kelly kells which is k-e-l-l-z that's yes. what you're gonna look for and uh, you could also look in my friend list if you can't find her she's on my friend list somewhere so all right thank you kelly have a great day thank you so much for the invite really appreciate it So oh.